This episode of Bobby and Jens is sponsored by Hammerhead Karoo 2. Jens, I know we just got these in and I'm starting to play around with it and I'm quite impressed. How are you liking? I do like them a lot actually. It is easy to use and you don't really have to read the manual to understand how it works. It all comes kind of like self-explaining. That's a big plus, a bonus for me. So yes, I do like it a lot. Well, we know that you're not the biggest fan of numbers, but I am. And I love the size of the screen. And my most favorite thing is the exclusive climber with predictive path technology feature. You know, you don't download every single route when you're out there riding, but with this technology, you can actually see the climb coming up and know how far it is to the top, know the, the gradient that you have to deal with. And, and I love that. So all my Strava data can go straight uploaded and I can share it with the entire world. Well, for a limited time, our listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of the Hammerhead Karoo 2. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code BobbyYens22, all uppercase, at checkout to get yours today. This is an exclusive limited time offer only for our podcast listeners. So don't forget to use promo code BobbyYens22. That's a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Caro 2. Go to hammerhead.io, add both items to your cart and use the promo code BobbyYens22 today. And the only thing that you're just hearing, you're just like, go Cecily! We all recently witnessed the return of the Women's Tour de France and were treated to a glimpse of the future of women's cycling at a totally different level. The whole sport is abuzz with what we just witnessed. And we are so excited to have one of the main animators of this year's event with us today, just a few days after the finish in France. Please give a warm Bobby and Jens welcome to Cicely Utrip Ludwig from Denmark and the FDJ Suez Futuroscope team. Okay, everyone, fresh off a stage win and seventh place overall in the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift, all while proudly wearing the Danish National Championship road jersey, Miss Energy herself, Cicely Ultrip Ludwig, is our guest today. Cicely, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Man, I, I cannot fathom what this last eight days meant to you um you know you did the giro or uh, yeah the giro and then had some time off and then did the tour de france femme avec zwift tell us about this whirlwind that you must have gone through these last couple weeks oh yeah the last couple of weeks has just been mind-blowing i mean it, it has been quite the experience and actually yeah to be honest a bit overwhelming because I think we have not seen and experienced like that amount of interest and people watching it like millions of people watching and um, to be part of the Tour de France circus has been quite the experience so it's actually 
Um, I've taken it all in like a sponge and I've enjoyed it, but also it's, it's nice now to like really calm down and like settle and, oh, just let it soak in really. So the Tour de France was a physically really hard and challenging course over the seven days, right? Stress, crashes, crosswinds, mountains. Were you more focused on the sporting side or did you have a little bit of time to look left and right and go, oh, look, there's a thousand spectators in this little village and there's maybe 10,000 at the finish. Yeah. So you had a little bit of time to enjoy it or was it just all work, work and stress and being focused? Oh, I mean, yeah, I think a little bit of both. I mean, most times when it was like crosswinds or when you're really digging deep in the mountains and stuff like this, yeah, then you don't really notice But you don't look so much, but you you do feel the energy. You do feel when people, you're there and the only thing you're looking, you're looking at the wheel in front of you or you're looking down the asphalt and you're just suffering. And the only thing that you're just hearing, you're just like, go Cecily, go Carlson, go here, I'll eat it for you. And you're just like, oh, let's go you know then you can i don't know sometimes you can just push a little bit more you know and then so in a way you you feel the spectators and people screaming but you're also focused on your job yeah doing it as good as you can but what was it like starting the race on the champs Elysees? i to to every cyclist that's like such a massive thing and but it's at the end of three weeks so it's kind of like a relief. But for for you you ladies, it was like, man, just thrown into the fire, like the biggest biggest avenue for a bike race to finish on. And it just happens to be your first stage of the women's race. What was that like? Oh, yeah, but it was amazing. And it's one of the the days on the bike that I'll remember like forever. And it is because I mean, we can thank Jonas Vingegaard, we can thank the, the Danish guys for doing so well, because the whole of Champs-Élysées, it was just like Danish flags, Danish flags, Danish. like there's so many Danish spectators. I've never seen anything like it. It felt like almost riding in Denmark. It was crazy. And just, yeah, wow. It was just an awesome start. It was like the atmosphere and they were screaming our names and like the atmosphere was so good. So I had that when we finished the race, I was like, I kind of just want to take one more lap just to, to see. And then we did one more lap just to experience the, the fans. And oh, it was just awesome. But already next day, it went straight down to business. Crashes, you know, crosswinds. You lost um, your team leader, Marta Cavalli, was a crash. So... Was that like kind of like a hard reality or you go, okay, that is just what we expect. It's got to be a hard and stressful race or from, you know, being like going into um, that uh, first uh, dream stage into like, okay, now this is super hard business. Was it hard to adjust to that or you were ready and prepared? for the pressure and distress. No, I mean also it was a it was a really bad start to the tour for us and um yeah it was it was hard also like four out of six riders went down and hit the deck and um uh, yeah losing Marta on the second stage I mean oh, that was uh, that was super hard and and the, I tell you the atmosphere and the, the general feeling in the team was 
was not not super nice. <laughs> um, but then on when we woke up in the next morning, we were like, there's I mean, we just have to put that behind us and just look forward now and just like go out there and sh and show them, you know, like show them. But we we're still here, we're still going to fight. Um, even though, yeah, the odds were a bit, you know, we were a bit on the back foot, but, um, and I think we, it was, it was just, that was also why that stage, stage three was so emotional because we had so bad start. So yeah, um, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that, that moment after the race, when, when you won that, that uphill sprint finish in, in dominating style, your you definitely had the quote of the tour, in my opinion. And, you know, I try not to curse on this podcast, so I'll, I'll kind of leave it up to the people. But what you said was so spot on. And, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of producers like, oh, my gosh, we missed that. We didn't bleep that. But mm. the way that you crossed yourself in the form of your national championship, Danish national championship jersey, right then and there... I was just like, this is what the sport is about. This young woman is, you know, taking it all in, yet still has the, the, the ability to convey something in a hand gesture that I hope everyone picked up upon because that, that was amazing the way that you kind of paid tribute to your Danish national championship jersey. Oh man, that was that that was that was it for me. I mean, it, it gives me the chills. Mm -hmm. But how can do you remember that moment or those moments now? I mean, has it all sunk in what what you achieved there? Oh yeah, it's slowly. I mean, but it's just it's still. I think one of the the most amazing crazy days on the bike, also because it was a lot of like mental fighting and and not wanting to give up and wanting to show them that we're that we're we're not quitters um and yeah i think for me but it it has always like been like such a dream to ride in my mind because i'm i'm very proud of of, of Denmark and I'm very proud of my country and then to be able to ride in that jersey and then like on top of like winning a stage in the Tour de France like yeah I was like it's it, that's just I if I would have I would have written that beautiful star but like oh, I signed that paper yeah um it was just so nice and um oh yeah so good <laughs> still on that specific stage stage three when would or when did you realize I could win? And when did you realize I'm gonna win? Yeah. Did you felt all day long, oh, I got a chance today, or like within the last five kilometers, within the last kilometer, or really like at the last 200 meters, you're like, oh, oh my God, I'm gonna win. Mm. When did you know it's possible? And when did you realize I'm gonna do it? Yeah. Um, well, actually, uh, a few months before we, we um, came with the team and we looked at the stages um, and I saw this stage in Epernay and I was like, oh, that finish is damn cool. And like, if I have good legs and if everything comes down and like if the bike races, then I would like that would be a dream to to go for a stage victory there. Um, and then, oh, but the race was like getting dropped on the super steep climb. 
like 20k from the finish or so and then again there was like it was just the whole bike race but then when we came back with Marianne Foss and Cassia and and Volering when we came back to the group and I was like okay like I'm in I'm in the game now like I'm I'm in the game but but oh my god there's still a lot of <laughs> these girls that are fast finishers especially Marianne Foss and I was like I don't know, I don't know, but do I have to have good legs? <laughs> I don't know. And but then coming in, I was like, I'm gonna give it a go. But then coming in actually to the last corner, because I was on Marianne Foss wheel for quite some time, but then coming in, they they kind of came around me like a bit of a washing machine. And I was like, yikes, you know, I was like, no, 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 they are coming, but they, but I, but I just kept on fighting, you know, I was like. But they, I mean, I'm going to try and come back. And they really, in my head, I was like, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to do this for the team. I'm going to do this for the team. I, at least I'm going to get a podium. I need to get a podium. I need to get a podium. I need to come back. I can, I think I can come back. And then I was realizing, like, slowly, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm coming closer. I'm coming closer. I'm coming closer. <laughs> and then on the flat part, because it was a bit of flat, and then it kicked up again. I was like, wait, I'm coming. Yeah. And then I was like, out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just I just went full I just went full and and I didn't well I think also passing them I was really like I hope that Marion Foss is not coming and we, I just gave it all to the line I was like they I mean and then in, in in that moment like when I saw the stripes and I was like I think I made it I think I think they're not gonna come and I was like oh that was so good that was so good yeah <laughs> Well, you know, we do not use the, the video. We, we use the audio during these recordings. But I think we need to change that because I've never seen anyone speak with facial expressions and hand gestures more than you do that are just priceless, absolutely priceless. <laughs> but yeah, crossing that line, I, I mean, I never got to do that. I never won a stage in the tour. But like that look, I, I always wondered what that feeling would feel like or what you know like you 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 just did something that you've never done before against one of the best female racers of all time in in a sprint that would normally favor her i can't imagine when you did when your front wheel did cross that line there had to have been like wait is that it did, <laughs> did, did that just happen and but man when you got when you put your hands over your head and did the victory celebration i was like man that's that's what the sport is all about that that rush so yeah. good on you and thank you for for <laughs> explaining it the way that you did when you actually then won a stage and you crossed the line and you're like yes i got it what did you think of or who did you think of like your first coach your parents whatever your partner the team or what a person that crossed your mind first after the maybe biggest win in your career that's a good question. I'm not sure I really thought of, of a person. It was more like, wait, 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 what, what just happened? I, to be honest, I don't really remember the first thoughts because I think it took a while to be like, I, I just remember, I, and I remember taking the, the microphone or the radio and I was like, we did it. We, 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 I cannot swear. 
als half me not to swear we make a beep did it and i was just like i just wanted to celebrate with my teammates i was like where are they come on let's hug let's uh, i mean i need a hug i need a big hug and then my swanny was there so i pulled her down i was like <laughs> come here yeah um but then when you start you know, realizing you're like oh my god i'm gonna call my family and i'm gonna call my boyfriend and i'm just gonna be like <laughs> did you see that <laughs> yeah well. so you come off an emotional high um mega rebound for the team i uh, yeah. you know you mentioned that you guys drew uh motivation and then you kind of cap it off the next day, stage four was the one with all the gravel sectors, right? And, yeah. you know, the the coverage this year was so great. You cannot tell the difference between the men's and the women's event. You guys had the helicopters. You had all the bikes. And this one um, image that really kind of hit me was when the motorcycle driver focused not so much on the riders, but like down on the road. That was some chunky gravel that you guys were going through. I mean, it was a lot chunkier than I would have thought. Um, you know, you've gotten 16th in, in Paris-Roubaix in, 19, uh, in 2021. You got fifth in Strada Bianca this year. What is your opinion of including gravel in, in cycling events? I mean, I think it's quite cool that in stage races or in, yeah, in cycling races in general, that you can have different forms of terrains you can have gravel you can have cobbles you can have climbs you can have flat you can have crossing like you can have it all and you just have to if you want to go for the gc you have to be kind of good in 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 all of it and time trials and all of this um uh yeah what you know looking back some some of the gravel sections are oh, there they were a, a bit more rough than strata bianca gravel for example um and i think that was also why we saw quite a lot of punctures and people um yeah having to either change bike or get a new wheel and and then you know it's always like a bit of a mess when there's gravel or or couple sections because then the cars are super long behind because the groups are splitting and everything so it's always like chaos but i guess that's also why you know Fans, they love to see this. They're like, ha, ha, get it all crazy and mess up and you puncture and you crash and ah, what is happening? Who's winning? I guess it's super interesting to watch, you know. Um, sometimes you, when you're going for the GC, it's less fun when you get a puncture. And that would be, for example, why you would lose a minute or... Um, so, like, also seeing the Tour de France for the men and the, um, the couple... Uh, stage that they had um, where Jonas Vingo also lost a bit of time um, but yeah it, it's um, it, it I think it's 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 kind of cool to have these things just that it doesn't get too wild just for the fans to be like ah! you know what I mean on this stage you actually pulled over the side of the road with a flat tire and your teammate came alongside of you and you changed your own wheel yeah. Was that planned? I mean, did you guys talk about that before the race? Like, if this happens, just give me your wheel. And, you know, with the through axles nowadays, it's it's not super easy. Um, I don't know if I would have thought about that. No. You know, I would have looked and taken my teammate's bike. I would have waited for the car. But, like, seeing you change, yeah. <laughs> change your own wheel 
was awesome. But was that was that part of the plan, or did, was that on the fly that you made that decision? Um, well, it, it, we talked about it a bit before the race. We were like, okay, say that it's super chaotic and I get a puncture and the cars are, are a lot behind, then what do we do? Because then whose bike can I fit? And when we looked at who was in the bunch at that time, it was like, no bike will really fit. And I think it's just easier if we just change the wheel. So also, if I took Victoria's bike, she's a lot taller than me. So it would be like riding a horse bike, you know, riding a bike that's way, way, way too big for me. And then I almost can't sit on the saddle, you know. Um. So, yeah, I think we were just like... Uh, but it, they were, see, my teammates were so good, you know, they were just so professional. It was really like, I was like, guys have a puncture. And then they both, Marie and Victoria, they looked at me and they were like, yeah, okay, I'll wait. Yeah, I'll change the, and then we were just, and it happened so quickly. And I was like, yes. And and when I changed it, like, give me a push, give me a push. And she was just like, oh, putting the bike and, you know, everything. It's just like, ah. And then she was pushing back and Marie was waiting there and giving me the, like a drafting back to to the group and then when i actually came because then the group was splitting in two so then i came back to the group two then and there were evita waiting for me so we were like riding to uh, us fourth and bang 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 and then we came back to group one actually but that was not on camera i think but again just oh, the team that day spot on so after that hectic first couple days and anyone that has never done the Tour de France doesn't understand the the pressure, the excitement, the adrenaline of those first couple stages of the Tour de France. And you see it all the time in the men's races, just crashes everywhere. And you guys, you ladies had crashes everywhere, which is totally normal. Like you go back and look at every first, second, third, maybe even fourth stage of the Tour de France, and guys are just crashing everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you guys had that that same sort of thing. But in stage five, which was the longest stage of the race, um, 176 kilometers, um, the race had to get special permission from the UCI to to go that long. Did, was was there ever a chance there where you guys, where you ladies could just chill and talk to each other? Or was it still like that, those jitters from the first couple of days? No, actually, that was the first stage that was a bit more calm in the peloton. Because, like, the first stage, the second stage, the third stage, like, all the other stages beforehand, it was so, so nervous in the peloton. And I think it's, yeah, like you say, completely normal because everybody in that peloton wants to do well in the tour. And everybody wants to win and everybody wants to show what they can do. So it's just like, I was so, I mean, yeah, for me, it's like I've I've almost never experienced any other stage race where it was nervous, but like, not just like, oh, before the climbs or, you know, this is normal in a, in a race, but like the whole day, you know, when you're just on alert the whole day and where people are nervous and panicking all day long and you're just like have to be focused all day long and that was the the first stage where people were like okay guys we we need to calm down just at a few points in the race where we can just eat our food and like uh, also mentally we can 
Um, so yeah, that was actually um, it was it was good to have a bit more chill points in the race. <laughs> so that stage yeah. was uh, the longest race. Well, probably most of you have ever done, I guess, right? 175 kilometers, I think it was. Um, yeah. Did it feel mm -hmm. especially tiring or was it just another day in your office for you? Or you actually felt the longer distance in your leg or in your head? No, no. Because like, uh, like time-wise, it was four and a half hours. And I mean, I, I also do trainings that's more than four and a half hours. So no, uh, that it didn't feel like, oh, that was such a long. It was, yeah, it was actually written quite normal um it was just nice to to have a little bit more time to yeah um eat drink chat with people in the peloton because yeah it, everybody would were just a bit more calm and that was um that was really that was that was nice yeah you don't get many days like that in in the tour de france and and i have to agree with you 100 percent. you know the tour de france is just different yeah. just different um And now, now you have that experience and you can explain it. But, you know, when, when you do your first Tour de France, you ask all these questions to people that have done a Tour de France before. And it's always like, what is that feeling? And there's no way to replicate that. And it's unexplainable because we're bike racers. We race our bikes every single day for years and years and years. But that race under those conditions especially it being the first Tour de France for women in over 30 years. Mm. I cannot imagine, you know, what it felt like to be there. You know, like, yeah. it's not like you could, you know, ask a teammate because your teammates hadn't, hadn't done a race like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that's, that's super cool that, that you ladies have that. And, you know, we're, we're, this is here to stay. There's no doubt about it. No. Um, so I'm just super stoked that, uh, that, that you shared with us some of that emotion because I, I, I still remember those days, my first tour to France, phew, yeah. ridiculous. And there's no way to explain it. It's just, the, nope, I couldn't even get to the front, let alone, um, you know, actually do anything tactical in, in the race. <laughs> it was just that much. I felt like I was that much out of my, my depth. Getting into stage six, what was stage six like? I mean, we, we saw the finish there uh, when uh, Longo Borghini kind of went the wrong way. Um, where were you at that moment? And did you guys discuss that after the race and maybe put that as a um, a bullet point to to really know the finishes? Because let's, let's face it, that could have been pretty catastrophic if there wasn't the quick reaction from Marianne Vos to, oh. to swerve to the right there. Yeah. But when, when, cause I was like in 20th position or so. And when I just, cause we, we recon, we recon that stage. Um, and I knew there was going to be like a S, uh, turn just before the finish line, not a real turn, but like a swing. And um, when I saw that somebody, because I didn't see if it was just one or two riders that were going, but then I saw one and I was like, no, 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 that's the wrong way, that's the wrong way. And I was like, please, 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 do not all turn. Because then when one person starts, then you it's, you have some, then it's easy that someone goes after and being like, <gasps> panicking, being like, oh, maybe she is right. Maybe I also need to turn left. And then I was like, no, 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 no. Because then it's when it's 
And I was like, shit, shit, shit. It's gonna, they're, they're gonna crash. They're gonna crash because somebody wants to turn, right? You know, going to S and, and then someone also wants to go after. But luckily, phew, she was the only one going left and, and the Peloton were going. So yeah, we, we saved that. But I was, uh, in my head, I was so worried that um, it was gonna be a massive, like chaotic crashing left, right, off. But luckily, it went fine. And then you had a super hard stage coming up, stage seven. And then you you had a great third place on that stage. Um, were you surprised by Annemiek van Floyden going that early, trying to like break the race apart early enough and go on a long one? What, was that anticipated or you everybody thought she's going to wait for the last day to actually attack the peloton? Oh no, we knew that she was going to attack and we knew it was going to be super hard. But yeah, I think we were like, oh yeah, when when do you think that could happen? Hmm. Do you think it's going ah no, not on do you think it's going to be on the last climb? No, maybe before. Maybe on the second climb. Do you think it's going to be on the first climb already? I don't know. Oh um, but that's long. You know, that's like really far out. But yeah, in the end, uh, when 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 then I saw it, her her way of going into the climb and how she was just pedaling, pedaling, and just moving, you know, in in the front of, and all them because there was a breakaway with thirty five riders and how she was just passing all of them, all of them. I was like, mm-hmm, something is coming up, something is coming up, and then bam, she went, and I was like, holy moly. Um, and I just knew from that, I was like, I, I need to go my own pace up this climb. Um, and that was pretty much what we did. And it was just by a long time trial for her. <laughs> uh, so strong. <sighs> and how was the cooperation in the group that you were in? Um, what was, you know, when, when enemy Van Vluten goes from that far out, it's pretty hard. You just got to hope that maybe she, she has a fueling issue um, that she she gets her pacing wrong and and kind of slows up there towards the end. But were you guys actually thinking, hey, if we keep it nice and steady here and ride our own pace, like the gap's not going to get any bigger? Um, what what was the cooperation like between you ladies in in that next group that you were in? Yeah, I think we we're like, okay, guys. I mean, there's a, it's there's a long way to the finish. So I mean, and there's also the valley, you know. So it was like. Good. We just need to get a good cooperation. Maybe it's possible to 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 come back. You know, also in doing the valley, because then maybe she'll be solo or at least with two rides, and maybe we'll be a bigger group. Maybe they'll even come a group from behind. So we really have a big bunch to ride her back. In the end, it was just so like the race was so shattered into atoms. You know, people were everywhere, and and then we were only. Yeah, was it five, six riders in that group um, riding together? So um, I think we, we catched uh, Longo a little bit on the valley part. Um, um, but yeah, Anemic were just uh, another level. She was just stronger. And um, yeah, chapeau. I mean, we, 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 we couldn't get her back. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus. For less than a dollar a week, you can get six print and digital issues of Peloton Magazine, exclusive membership content from Bellenews.com, access all the premium content 
from the whole outside family, including yoga journal, backpacker, ski, outside magazine, and many others. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, access to Gaia, GPS, and trail forks, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value in one $99 annual subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com forward slash outside plus and enter BJPOD25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you will receive our special 25% discount and make a good deal. Great. And now back to our chat with Cecily. And uh, then, well, final and last stage, how was it the Planche de Belfi? Was it as mystical and hard as we all expected? I mean, I have been up there. What gears did you use in the end for the very steep part? Oh, I was just like, to, to, to my uh, mechanics, I was just like, I need the smallest gear that we have. So I think I had um, 36 in the front and 34 in the back. Um, yeah, it was just smallest gear. Um, and, uh, it was just so steep and so hard, especially like on the gravel part. Oh, the, the finish line. I mean, when you see it, even you, when I've, when I watch it again, I'm like, God, is this played in slow motion or do I really go that slow up there? I mean, hard. but I mean, it was just so hard. It was just so steep. And also at the end of, of, of eight days of racing. But yeah, that <laughs> was pretty tough. And yeah, at the end of, you know, two brutal days in the mountains with the finish up Super Planche de Belfi, uh, the race is over, like very unceremoniously over. What what was it like on top of that mountain with all those women that finished with you? Um, was it, you know, because the last stage of the Tour de France is all of a sudden everybody's friends. You're like you've been fighting with everybody for three weeks and then you do the stage into Paris and it's very easy up until you hit the, um, the Champs-Élysées and everyone's patting each other on the back and being all cl um, congrat congratulatory. But what was it like up there? I mean, you ladies just went through a very difficult eight days and finished on a mountain, like a real mountain finish. Yeah. Was there that same energy with that same camaraderie or was it like, let's just get the heck out of here and and go home. I'm, I'm tired. I want to see my fa family and friends again. Oh, people, I think we're just so exhausted. I mean, I remember coming on the finish line, I was like, oh my God, that is just some of the hardest racing I've ever done. Like that was just, whereas <laughs> yeah, the way that the men finish, like the, the tour is more like, you know, you see them with the champagne and everyone is celebrating. I know that, okay, once you hit the to say yeah then they race um but it's more like i don't know a celebration and like a nice little tie to the finish and you see the the team who has won coming in on a finish line like it's all like a happy story da, da, da. and where now we're just like woman by woman you know fighting each other up this mountain it was just yeah, it was very different but i guess also it, it could be like that 
or excitement un until the finish, you know, because like, oh, will there be, can they all like go through that hard again? Will someone crack? You know, I guess that was still the exciting part. Um, but it was just, I was just like, my God, it's, <gasps> I'm so tired. <laughs> so now I got yeah. two questions in one now. If you would have the power to change a few things, would you then rather finish the tour in Paris, like together with the man on the same day, finishing the tour in Paris? And would you say, hey, you know what? We need to add another week to the Tour de France. We need a two week or 10 days woman's Tour de France. Would you like that or not? Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is what I dream of that the tour will become that it will be a two week stage race, you know, so we can really say it's a grand tour, you know, because the men like have to have the three weeks and they have three of three weeks, you know, three grand tours. And yeah, we have the Gir d'Italia Donne for us, which is 10 days, but like having two weeks, I think that a two week mark is a good, like, that's a good uh, benchmark to set to say that's where we we want to go i don't necessarily think that we need three weeks i don't even think that the guys want especially wants to do three weeks <laughs> but but um so two weeks i think that's that's perfect that's just uh that's a long time many days suffering and having to focus but it's also like that's that i i i think would be a proper grand tour um And maybe also throw in some a prologue or a time trial. And um, and I also think with the time and day, I think they already opened up uh, for that, that there would be like a team of seven riders when you have like longer stages so that you're not so vulnerable for crashing and then you're down to four riders or five riders, you know. So uh, seven riders, I think that would be, would be cool. Yeah. Well, You know, the first women's Tour de France in, in over 30 years is in the books. I think it's undisputable to say that this was a monumental lift for the sport of women's cycling. But now that we have you on the podcast, where do we go from here? I mean, we're already talking about next year and the race got over a couple days ago. Like, do we want to have the women's calendar mimic the men's like you know the giro the tour hopefully the you know of vuelta all the classics or do you want that calendar to be specific non-associated with the men's events would you want want it to be like the women's calendar totally different or kind of um sewn in with with the men's calendar it's a very good question bobby um i think It would be, it would be nice if there were a bit longer break between that we have now the Giro and the Tour, because you see a lot of of the the ladies that they, they chose not to do the Giro simply because the, it was too short between, and especially if it's going to be longer and harder stage racing, then it would be logical that that they would move a bit more like june may for the giro and then having the the tour in july and then having vuelta later um but i see that next year the vuelta is actually now coming in may um and it's going to be a, a seven days 
at Sage Race. Um, so yeah, things are uh, are then it's it's going a bit round and round, and maybe we'll have the Giro later. I don't know, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting because uh, since the Vuelta chose that it's gonna be in May, because then. Yeah, May is gonna be. There's so many Spanish races, so it's gonna be a month of uh, month of Spain, month of Spanish races. Um, yeah, that's also gonna be interesting. Would you think it would be a good idea that every woman's Grand Tour starts on the last day together with the men? So Giro Italia finishes with the men. The women start on the same day on the same circuit and keep on going for another week. Same for the Tour de France. Same for the Vuelta. That would make sense, and I, I like the idea of being connected. Like that men and women at least yeah. overlap at one or two days so they could race on the same roads with the same public. I, I personally, I like the idea. Would you would you favor a, an idea like that or you would, nah, that's nah, not necessary? No, I think it's, a, it's actually not a bad uh, suggestion, not a bad idea. Because um, I think that is also a big reason why it was so naturally like um yeah i don't know how you say it in english but like so floating naturally from the men's and then it was just so much like oh because i also remember when i was a, a, a young kid or even last year not even a young kid just every year when i'm watching the tour i'm like ah oh, you know coming into paris and you're a bit like sad you're a bit like oh Is it already finished? Like, no. I mean, what am I going to watch tomorrow? And then now it's like, oh, there's the women for eight days. Great. I can watch more. You know, that was just, it was great. And people, I think it was really like trips over in a, in a very nice way. Um, so I, I think it, 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 they could do exactly the same also for the, for the year and for the, for the world. So why not? Well, one thing's for sure. Um, The women's peloton had a massive amount of eyeballs on your sport and what you did. And that is perhaps what's been lacking. Because I ever since I was young, you know, national team camps and whatnot, we would always train with the women. We knew how good they were. But the eyeballs, you know, the sponsorship wasn't wasn't there. Now that you have those eyeballs. What is the audience that you hope to reach now that you have such a massive platform like the Tour de France Femme of X Swift? Oh yeah, I mean we we every day we hope to to grow like the the fan base of women's cycling, but like it's it's quite funny because the last five years has been like mind blowing how much the the women's cycling has progressed and has grown because you know five years or six years ago it was almost like you, you had to be a little spy to watch women races you know you'd be like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna look up um maybe there's a youtube channel or something where, where they're streaming from or, or where do i find this youtube channel or is that website where can i follow and now you know like from two years ago i think where they did the minimum uh 45 minutes if you have a world tour race like minimum coverage i it was so important you know so that people because to be able to reach people that they can turn on their tv it, it on Eurosport or or whatever like it so that it's easy accessible and this is as has been or is the key to just grow the fan base and um it, it can also be it doesn't need to be all the the people that are watching men's races it can also be because for me 
cycling is cycling and I just love to watch bike racing it doesn't matter if it's a woman or if it's a man um I just love the tactics and I just love the attacking and all of this that's what cycling is to me but it can also be a completely new audience and people who are realizing those badass women they can make a ride their bike and um and I just hope that young women also sit out there and they're like you know, they're not only watching the men doing the tour, like they can actually also watch the women do a Tour de France and like understand because everyone, when they think of cycling, I me included, when I think of cycling, I'm like the Tour de France comes to mind as one of the first things. And for yeah, young women to see like it's actually possible to live of of like their dream or their hobby or what they I think that's um that that. Yeah, it was really historical. It was uh, and also very emotional these eight days. So at your Tour de France now being completed, is there anything that stuck to your mind? Any lesson you go, oh, I'm not going to do that mistake next year or I'm going to do better or I'm going to do the same again next year. And so what's the lessons learned from this one and what you trying or hoping to achieve in next year's Tour de France? Yeah, I mean, oh, obviously this was so overwhelming and everything. So I think uh, we'll all, all the women's peloton will be better prepared in a way that I've never experienced that much media in uh, just all all of it. And it's it's like when you experience your first, I guess, Olympics. You know, just coming into and everything is just so different. And I mean, I think also when I'm gonna do the next races, I'm gonna be like. It's it's just different. It's just different, <laughs> and um. So I think we'll be more prepared, and also knowing that the stages are just. I mean, the they they race it relentless. It's so hard, and you need to be so focused, and you need to be so. It's just different, and then yeah, also what I want to do different. Hmm be be better. <laughs> I wanna I wanna be stronger, and um, working on. Yeah, the longer climbs and and stuff like that, and I, I've I've slowly I'm slowly getting there, but um yes, but need to work more on it, and and but that's also I'm I mean I'm I'm hungry for more and hungry to do better, and I think uh, yeah that's why we're all like oh, can't wait for next year, gonna prepare harder and better. Yeah, talking about preparing harder and better, what? are you guys and gals doing up in Denmark? Like, how, for such a small country, do you have so much massive talent? What do you guys eat for breakfast? I mean, what do you, what have you done and what are you doing right or differently than, than many other countries to have so much talent coming out of such a small country in both the men and women's events? Yeah, uh... Yeah, it's, it's just been a crazy year for for Danish cycling and just so good. Like the whole, the whole of Denmark is just buzzing of the cycling fever that is going in the whole country. And it's just as a bike rider, it's amazing to experience this. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we have actually had many good bike riders coming up. Uh, I mean not only this year but also the previous years and um on the men's side also like so many uh strong riders and doing so well um but yeah i don't know why it's just crazy booming this year um 
Uh, I, I don't know, but I mean, okay, on the women's side, people from from the Netherlands, I mean, I also want to eat what they're eating for breakfast because they can also go quite fast up the those hills and they also ride their bikes pretty fast. So, um, yeah, we still need, uh, on the women's side, we still need to try and, you know, crack the knot on how do we beat those girls or ladies from the Netherlands because they're so strong. Yeah. Talking about beating um, the woman from the Netherlands, we got the World Championships somewhere, somewhat soon coming up. With Mats Pedersen, you have a former world champion from Denmark. You are Danish champion. What are your goals for the World Championships and what are your hopes for the World Championships? Oh, I'm just so excited for the World Championships because uh, I have two teammates from Australia. Grace and, and Brody and Grace has actually been doing the recon of the, um, the road race and she says that it's just like the climb that we're doing on the lap is just steep and hard and I'm just like oh, that sounds amazing <laughs> um, yeah so I think that'll be just awesome and I and also I think it's going to be quite special for me to race the um, the world championships in Australia. First of all, it's going to be my first time in Australia, but also my boyfriend is from Australia, so he's so excited for me to finally come to Australia and experience that that he believes is the best country in the world. You know, so patriotic. I love it. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm for for on many levels, I'm excited for the world championships. I mean, there there's so much to look forward to in in women's cycling, but I don't know if you saw this, but you ride for the FTJ Suez Futuro Scope team. Yeah. Mark Matteo has been a longtime runner, boss, general manager of that team. And I saw this interview prior, uh, I think maybe the first couple days of the tour, and it was Mark Matteo back in the day when he was French national champion. He's on a talk show with Jeannie Longo. And he's up there, you know, Jeannie Longo is in casual clothes. He has his French national jersey on. And the words that came out of his mouth were so crazy. What he basically said was women in the sport of dance is jolie, which means nice. Women in the sport of cycling is moche, which means basically ugly. This is your team's boss saying this and now he's running a women's team so that just goes to show you that even a guy like mark matteo who would have been tarred and feathered for saying that nowadays perhaps he saw something uh because you know that that francis de Joux women's team has been around a couple years now but wh how crazy is that that he would say something like that on tv And now you are here writing for basically his team and winning a stage in the Tour de France. Yeah, actually, just to clarify, he is running the men's Scrapama. But we actually, we're two very different teams. We have uh, our manager, Stefan Delcourt. So, uh, so we actually basically don't have much to do with each other. We have the same main sponsor, uh, FDG. 
and also riding the same bikes like Pierre, but the management and and is is um completely different. So um yeah, he he has um uh, Mark Medio has nothing to do with our team. Um but um yeah, but still Did you that- did you see that interview by any chance or did yeah. you see that little clip? Yeah, I did. Um okay. and and I think also <laughs> My boyfriend rides for for his team. Miles Gosson rides for Grupama, and um, he has also been talking a lot of times to Mark Medio. And I think he has also come to realize that oh, maybe what I said, yeah, what is it, thirty years ago? It was a long time ago. What I said at that time, oh, maybe that was not correct, and and. Um, yeah, I think he he does also see that now. Oh, I did it. Uh, I think that I, I think that I, that's what I believe that he is actually like. Oh, the the women they they race pretty hard, and it's actually quite interesting bike racing. But yeah, I hope that he regret what he said because I I also don't believe that that is that was the the case or the truth at that time. But um, yeah, yeah, what has been said that time, uh, is uh, yeah. to. To stop on a funnier note, on a friendlier note. Now you mentioned your boyfriend, Miles Scottson, racing for being also a bike rider, bike racer. What are your future family plans yeah. if we are if we can dare to ask you? Is there any kiddies yeah. planned or any marriage planned or whatever? You don't have to, it's none of our business. I'm just doing small talk here. But I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it, Jens. Um, well, yeah, I've I've always wanted kids, and uh, I'm sure we're gonna have some at some point. But it's a bit difficult to have mm-hmm. while you're doing a career. I know that Lizzie Dykman is a big example of that. It, it, you are able to do it, but then I think it's 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 also a little bit more tricky when you have two racers. Um, because like she has so much support from her husband who can take care while she's uh, yeah out doing her job but um yeah i think uh well we'll just have to see where it the, the life takes us but um yeah surely surely the, I, I there's gonna there's gonna come kids at one point and it's also the the logistics of where do do we want to live in the world because he's from australia and i'm from denmark and Oh yeah, but um, right now we're just based in a completely different country, but which is also good. I mean, and I'm just uh, I'm just enjoying it so far. You're actually different country where you're based. Where are you actually now? From where you are talking to us, and where's your boyfriend right now? Yeah, <laughs> my boyfriend is in Poland racing hot every day um and i'm actually in back in denmark so we're actually not where um we we both live in girona uh, in spain um the big cycling city (laughs) um but yeah so but yeah we do also spend quite a lot of time apart Because we're both racing and and we don't have the same schedule, um. So he, yeah, it, it makes it a bit difficult to see each other. But when we do, we enjoy the time together. Yeah, it's not easy. Not easy. Been together with my wife for thirty years, and uh, there's a lot of time that's spent apart. But um, got to find a way, way to make it work. Yeah. To end the podcast, we have to really tip our cap to Zwift. I mean, they made this possible. 
They have been a huge supporter of women's cycling for a long time. But I'm curious, what sort of sponsors do you would would you like to see attracted to the women's side of the sport? Is there any new kind of market that you believe or you would like to see um, enter into women's cycling as a sponsor? Well, that's a good question. I, I, I didn't really think of a special uh, company that I would like or a special yeah, to, to be drawn to women's cycling. But I think it's it's quite cool when you see a company that sees the potential of where women's cycling is going right now. And they're just like, whoa, where can this go? And I, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of I want to have a part of that cake. And that cake looks really good. And that cake looks to be growing and looking really tasty and yummy. And I want that. So um, I think that's just so cool. And people who are are modern like that would be, I mean, because nowadays, I mean, we also got to admit it is becoming very trendy and very modern to be empowering women and women has to have the same like opportunities as the men. And um, and I think I, I, I mean, I love that. I mean, I'm like, yes, let's empower all the women. And I think it's great when when companies also support it. So, um, yeah. Well, on that note, um, it seems like it's got quite darker on your screen. So hopefully you paid your light bill. But um, <laughs> No, it's too expensive here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out of your busy recovery schedule to, to fill us in, to give us that inside information. We loved watching the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift this year. Can't wait to see it next year. And there's so much more on the horizons for women cycling. Could not be happier about it. So thank you very much from both Jens and I for coming on Bobby and Jens. Oh, thank you so much. It has been a blast. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Please give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share us with your friends. Huge thanks to Cecily for being our guest today. The show was a Value News production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Mosser. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us.